0: The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony
1: Weiner At 2 o'clock, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. And we try to bring some contextual news of the week or a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. It's great to have you along on this Saturday afternoon. I'm a little bit at the edges yesterday was uh, we had a birthday party for Jordan Jordan turns 11 on December 21st that's right in the middle of the Christmas holiday so we always have a party for him a little bit earlier and he's at that kind of bubble age right on the seam of like he still wants to have a party but he does he's not like you know you know candles and balloons and that kind of thing so we went to this water park believe it or not out in in sea caucus, the American Dream. It's that big complex that was going to be Xanadu for a while, and it's a giant mall, and in there is a water park. <clears throat> and that was fun. I'm going to say it was fine. It was fine. His mom and I you know, were mostly just kind of rallying and, and getting these kids together. But the interesting part of it, we said, well, what do you want to do for lunch? You know, they have all, it's basically a, it's a mall, so you can pretty much find anything that kids like to eat. And he said he wanted to go to, Mr. Beastberger. And I don't know if you are familiar with this. Maybe Diego who's on the other Side Glass, maybe he knows about this. I'm sure Kevin does because he's such a cultural savant. Um Christian's late today, because he's there at Mr. Burger right now, I think. But it is a guy who he he became famous as a YouTuber, and I don't mean little fame, I don't mean middle-sized fame. This guy is monster. He has one hundred and seventeen million subscribers. His name is Jimmy Donaldson. He's a 24-year-old kid. He's a multi, multi, multi gazillionaire. And his thing was, and Jordan and his friends are very much into it. Now, they're 11 years old, okay, so you get the vibe. But his thing is he does these kind of stunts that are very, they're harmless kind of stunts. Like, for example, he became famous. His first thing that he became famous for is he counted to a 100,000. That was the video. And that, he went viral with that in 2017, but now he does these things where he pays a lot of money to people to do rather mundane things. For example, a video was playing at the restaurant where he has seven of his, his subscribers on a, um, on a treadmill and whoever stayed on the longest gets a million dollars in cash. Like he keeps this big room of cash at his house. Um, and it's completely innocuous, right? It's fine. This is like not they don't curse. There's a bunch of friends that do it. But I mean, he's become so famous that now it's not like he goes out and does an advertisement for a hamburger joint. He just opens up a hamburger joint. Food actually wasn't terrible. It was pretty good, you know, the good hamburgers. So Mr. Beast and I went in there to pick up the food for the kids because they were over at the and it's packed full of a certain demographic, of, you know, like you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, mostly boys, but some girls in there too. And, and it just is, it's, there's a million ways apparently to make money by just doing things that content that people want to watch. And the interesting thing about him is it's really benign. It's like nothing bad. It's really not like he'll have a thing where, okay, four people have to sit in a car and whoever gets out of it last gets the car and gets like a hundred thousand dollars in cash or a million dollars in cash, stuff like that. Um, And so that's where we went for, for Jordan's birthday, and he had fun doing that. So, but on some uh, much more serious news uh, this week, and I should tell you that we're going to be here till 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Lee will come in for left versus right. And then at 4 o'clock, Rob Astorino has a new show. I don't know if you guys have heard it yet. I highly recommend it. He's really good. He's really good. Rob Astorino, the former the former county executive, he ran statewide a couple times, just ran statewide for governor. Um, I think he would have been a, a really good candidate for governor. I don't know if he would have won. Um, but it's great to have you along. And, um, as I said, Diego's on the other side of the glass, a little bit of a reunion for us, and Kevin is also helping out. So, some of the serious news of the week, obviously, the news of Brittley Greiner. very happy news for her and her family, and, uh, trade was not a great one, obviously. This guy, Victor Boot, an arms trafficker, merchant of death, he was called. Um, he's been behind bars for 15 years, and, and it's, it's really a tragedy we, that this guy, Paul Whelan, is still behind bars. These things are, these transactions, these deals, they're never good. They're always really, really bad. It's like, there's no black and white. It's not like, you know, it's not like a black and white situation where you, you say, okay, let's trade someone bad for someone good. That's not the way this works. I am actually impressed, given the situation that Russia is in now, that we're basically at war with them, that they were even willing to have any conversations at all. Um, but not perfect. Obviously, you want to get everyone out who's being held. And it's not just this guy, Paul Welland. There are other people that are being held around the world. Um, in a transaction of a very different, a very different sort, the the Mets have now. You know, they, you know I, know, I know you want to talk about you want to talk about Aaron Judge fine, Aaron Judge great. He's going to be a Yankee till totally he's sixty two or whatever it is. That's great, God bless him. But the Mets have now, you know, they they put together quite the little rotation: Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and Jose Quintana. What's interesting about those three guys? This will be the first team in history to uh, have three pitchers on their team. Who started his previous team's first game of the postseason the previous year? You understand what I'm saying? So basically, Quintana and uh, Verlander both were their first pitchers, meaning their aces of this of their teams the year before on a playoff team. And obviously, Max Scherzer was our first starter last year. So the Mets will be the first team to have three pitchers pitch for them who the year before started their team's first postseason game. They look; these pitchers are not young. There's going to be some years that we're going to be paying them that they're not going to do very much. But this guy Cohen, man, I'm not a big fan of his, but he is willing to spend. Um, The political season came to an end. I talk about this a little bit on my podcast, The Middle Unplugged. We had Episode 7 this week. It comes out on on Wednesday. Subscribe to that. Um, I talk a little bit about the wrap-up since that was right after the Warnock defeated Herschel Walker. But now that Herschel Walker is not going to be elected on Episode 7, I do tell you who the wackiest United States Senator is. So go check that out. Um, but this, you know, Chuck Schumer is taking a victor lap. Democrats all over the country are practically dislocating their shoulders, patting themselves on the back. 51 49 is what the Senate is. And look, it means, it means something. Unlike 50 50, now Democrats can issue subpoenas in the Senate. So if the, if the Republicans go crazy in the House with subpoenas, we can whatever and the, the Democrats can do it. You get the majority in the committees. One more than which is different than fifty-fifty. No longer can one senator hold things up. Now it's got a little complicated. <laughs> As Kirsten Cinema, you know, the dust hadn't even settled on on the fifty-one forty-nine Senate majority for the Democrats when Kirsten Cinema announced that she was leaving the Democratic Caucus and becoming an independent. And she's up for reelection in two thousand twenty-four. Look, I mean, here's the thing with Cinema, is that. She seems like she's trying to please nobody the way she's been running as a senator in, in Arizona. Um, she's 20 points underwater in her popularity among Democrats, 10 points underwater with independents, 18 points underwater among Republicans. If you just take a look at recent polls of her popularity, meaning just the people that say they like her, in a three-way race, if every Democrat and independent who said they approve of her in a poll, you know what she'd have? 23%. So it's not like, you know... And 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 so what will wind up happening? It's a little too soon to tell. Um, um, it's interesting because now there's going to be a Democrat. There's going to be cinema, maybe, unless she's not going to run because she's maybe she just sees she can't win, and a Republican. And I don't know. It might be that that this is good news for the Republicans. It's a little too soon to tell. But in terms of how the day to day is going to work in the the Senate, here's some cinema. Um, here's the cinema switching over really. Probably doesn't mean that much. She's still going to caucus with the Democrats in term. Well, the caucus is not what she's going to do. She never attends the Democratic caucus, but she's going to sit on her committees as a Democrat. Um, so we're going to be talking a, a little bit about what it all means. Also, a little later. I don't know how to say this without sounding exasperated. I am going to talk a little bit more about Hunter Biden and Twitter. I know. Do not turn off your radio. Now, I won't spend long on it because. But I, I have to because a little more news this week. I'll do it at the bottom of the hour. So stick around for that if you're into that subject. Because as you know, there is no one, Diego will vouch for this, there is no Democrat on earth who knows more about this subject. I am a, a Hunter Twitter gate, a file. I know everything there is to know. I follow this. I'm fascinated with it. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the latest this week. But let's go to the numbers of the week. Each week when we do this show, we do some numbers of the week, news that was in the form of numbers um, that's uh, that make some kind of point I like to make about the middle and where the show goes. Here's one, 1934. In 1934, no Democratic senators lost re-election. But since that time, since 1934, every president, Democrat and Republican, has seen at least one senator from their party lose reelection in a midterm cycle until Biden. Joe Biden becomes the first president since FDR not to lose a single senator. That became clear when Warnock won his race the other day um, and the Democrats are celebrating they're jumping through hoops about how amazing everything is but let's not go to f- let's not get ahead of ourselves. Look at some other numbers of the week one point seven. 1.7 million votes for Herschel Walker. 48.6%. He basically lost by a point. And he was arguably the worst Senate candidate that you could have put up. He turned out to be, I mean, I don't want to, you know, whatever, piss on his grave or whatever the expression is, but he was a gaff machine. He was not, he's not ready for prime time. Republicans saying it democratic and he lost by a point. Another number, 54.4 million. That's how many Americans voted for Republicans this cycle. If you listen to Democrats talk about this, you'd say, Oh my God, we, we won. We're, we're amazing. More people voted for Republicans than voted for Democrats. 50.6% to 47.8%. The rest went to some independent party. Now that number is a little bit deceptive because as I pointed out on the show before, there were many more seats that Democrats didn't even contest meaning Republicans put up someone and they didn't even put up someone, so, so those numbers get a little bit. But more people voted for Republicans, plain and simple, and they won the House. Um, so, I mean, look, both parties have reason to be concerned. But I think the Democrats marching around as if they, they had somehow mastered the art of politics is getting a little bit too far out there. I mean, Republicans should be worried too. In the last 30 years, there have been eight presidential elections, Do you know how many times Republicans got more votes than the Democrat once in eight presidential elections, putting aside electoral college and everything else? Just how many people got who, you know, where is the country? Like the summary, like, you know, presidential elections, only one in 2004 did the Republican actually get more votes than the Democrat. So both parties have reason to be like, ooh, how do we fix this? But. For the time being, it seems like only the Republicans are asking these questions. I just heard Steve in the in the hour before, and Steve Moore does a great job in in the, the the show right before mine. He asked the question, "Well, what would you fix or what would you do?" You know, how, you know, whatever. You know, Democrats have some ta- some takeaways that are problematic, also. You know, for Democrats, you know, it's it's let's figure out people who who can, you know, who are who have basically moderate views. Don't fall in love with these shiny objects. You know, choose war horses over show horses. And when I say that. I'm thinking of Beto O'Rourke in Texas. We always get so excited for him. We dump a ton of money into him. He never comes up. Stacey Abrams, same way in Georgia. I mean, Florida, we keep saying, oh, Florida's purple. No, Florida's not purple anymore, guys. It's red. So Democrats have some, they have to, have to do, do some checking on things. And the Republicans have to do something as well. They have to learn how to vote and stop telling people not to. Listen to what listen to what the chairman of their own party had to say. But what we do
2: need is our voters need to vote early. I have said this over and over again. There were many in 2020 saying don't vote by mail, don't vote early, and we have to stop that and understand if Democrats are getting ballots in for a month, we can't expect to get it all done
1: in one day. Right. Yeah, by the way, you know who she's referring to when she says Republicans are saying that? Donald Trump and Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin keeps – I know she, he wants to be the chair and he's looking for issues – Guys, these, these legislatures, Democrat and Republican, are trying to make it easier for people to vote. And that means people who are homebound, people who are senior citizens, people who are, who are in service overseas. Like mail-in voting is not a new thing to, to be, to be saying, you can't trust it, you can't trust it, you can't trust it. Like, you know, that is not a good strategy. But I'll tell you a couple of other things that I think that they can't have to stop doing. But we'll do it after the break because you're going to be surprised what I have to say. They have been, they have been almost uniformly Pissing on Donald Trump. And listen, I am no big fan. One of the things I have said that I want to do in this program is not get stuck in Trump derangement syndrome because I think it doesn't get us very far. But when we get back, you are going to hear Anthony Weiner defending Donald Trump here on The Middle. By the way, if you want to get on the phones, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's so great to have you along on The Middle, and we'll see you on the other side.
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Talk Radio, 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
3: Tennessee. I'm just that off about Santa with a radio blasting in the no And
1: welcome back to the middle. This down. is Anthony Weiner with you. That is Steve Earl bring us in with Guitar Town. We're doing thematic music today. I'm getting very ambitious. Now that Kevin is back and the Ryan regime is over after one short week. I don't know if you guys did. Last week, Ryan was here. Man, all these rules he was setting up. We all had a salute when he walked by, him. that was annoying. And like in that Woody Allen movie, Bananas, we all had to wear our underwear outside our pants. I didn't understand what they were doing, but uh, now Kevin's back, so we're doing thematic music. It's it's music. Well, I'll, I'll let you figure out what the theme is. You know, we, we don't sometimes play enough for you to get it. So we're talking a little bit about the lessons that are learned. The phones are open, eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. What So a little Steve all coming back. Uh, so the uh, you know, one of the I love WABC because of its mix of music and talk and news. Um, as I've said to you before, in, in the early 1970s, when I was first kind of cutting my teeth and learning understanding music, WABC was what I listened to. Anyway, we're talking a little bit about the lessons the two parties learned. My, my I've got two somewhat counterintuitive takeaways. One is my own party, the Democratic Party, is being a little bit too enthusiastic, given how close the margins really are in this country. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Also, you can reach me on at Rep Wiener on Twitter. I am going to do a little Twitter hunter update because there was a little news. We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. I don't want to wear you out with that. And you can always email me at wienerwabc at gmail.com. Um, you can you can hear us on wabcradio.com, the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're taking you to 3 o'clock and then Curtis will comes in. By the way, I should point out – you know how do I put this? so in the in our podcast that we do the middle unplugged i I don't do calls, obviously because of the podcast, and i do but I do take listener reader listener um mail and I come and I do respond to it. and I usually have some fun with it because there's usually some interesting fun things, but I get a lot of emails and questions about recovery and addiction and the things that I have been through. Some I haven't really talked about them much since the early days I was on the air. And I think probably over the holidays, since it's a time that people are maybe dealing with some issues more, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Maybe here, maybe on the podcast, just want to give you a little heads up about that. So anyway, I said I was going to I was going to defend Donald Trump because, well, if you ask the average Republican commentator nowadays, and here on, on WBC it's the case, they basically have said that if they had to summarize the three big reasons why Republicans didn't do better this year, why the red wave didn't materialize. Is it one, candidates that that were not good, like, you know, the the candidate quality is what Mitch McConnell called it. You know, some of the candidates were just not that great, turned out winning the nomination. That was one thing. Like, there were some candidates like Herschel Walker, who just went Dr. Oz, who just were not great candidates for their states at this moment. The second thing to point out is that candidates that dwell too much on election denial, um, the candidate, the Republican candidate that was expected to win governor in, Arizona, announced yesterday that she's suing Mer- Mer- the biggest county in her state to overturn the results because she said there was, you know, election denial turned out to be not a great strategy for candidates, both in big races and in small. And then the third thing they said it was too much of a distraction, Donald Trump, Mar-a-Lago, everything else, Donald Trump, the hangover from Donald Trump, January 6th, whatever it might be. They're all ways of kind of saying Donald Trump's the blame. Because, right, candidate quality, he put his, his finger on the scale. I think he was like... He was two and fourteen in the big races in terms of two wins and fourteen losses. The candidates that he chose were not good ones. So that's kind of a way to say Donald Trump. Election denial. That's another way to say Donald Trump. He, the, the, you know, Donald Trump created this story and is, keeps talking about it. And of course, when they say Donald Trump, Mar-a-Lago, they're saying Trump. And it is part of this institutional Republican sprint away from Trump. And as I said on the podcast this week, and I'll say it here, I don't mind hypocrisy. I don't mind people that made Donald Trump or supported Donald Trump or enabled Donald Trump changing their minds. That's what America and that's what politics should be about. Sometimes you, sometimes you, you decide that that something is not good politics. The voters repudiate it. You change, you turn and you go in a different direction. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's hypocrisy, but it's fine. I'm all in favor of that type of hypocrisy. The problem that I see it is that if Donald Trump wakes up this morning and sees all these people saying these things about him, how he's to, blame, he's to blame, he's to blame, he's to blame, he is right to say, wait a minute. I'm the same guy that I was in 2015, and I'm the same guy that lost the popular vote in 2016. I'm the same guy that talked about, that talked about, you know, good people on both sides when a bunch of Nazis were, were protesting. He's the same guy that, that has been this guy. This is the same Donald Trump. And to make it even weirder is that the, that all of these Republicans who are saying these things, including even people on this who call into the station, some of the, our hosts here, well, if he's this bad, say you're not going to vote for him anymore. They don't say that. They're still perfectly prepared to not take that final step. Now, why is it? They don't want to antagonize Donald Trump supporters, and there are a lot of them, and they're crazy loyal. So my thing is, if you're going to blame him, for all of the problems that you've had and why you lost in 17, lost seats in 18, lost the election in 20, and now lost seats in 20, you know, effectively didn't get the wave you wanted in 22. You can't continue to blame Donald Trump unless you're prepared to say the next thing is, no, I'm going to vote for DeSantis or I'm going to vote for Pompeo or, or Pence or one of the other guys. It seems like the, the, the hypocrites want to have it both ways. If you're going to change your position and uh, otherwise, Donald Trump is perfectly reasonable to say, listen, dance with the one that brung you. You know, I, this form of Republicanism won you the presidency in 16. Now, eh, whatever, you know, I think it was, it was a narrow margin and took every perfect storm, whatever it is. But if you're going to walk away from the guy, walk away. So if you're done, if, if, I mean, I think that it's a little bit of a bum rap. This is the same Donald Trump you always had. There's nothing all that different. And so to suddenly say, oh, this is our problem. It's Donald Trump. I just don't I don't buy it, so if that's the lesson you're taking away now, there are signs though that the Republican Party is kind of coming to grips with the idea of, kind of like picking its fights better. like there was this respect for marriage thing that recently passed in the House and Senate here during the lame duck, and it's called a lame duck because and yeah, well, it's obvious why it's called lame duck well maybe it's not obvious it, it, this is this is a period between the time one Congress has been chosen. this Congress is still meeting. But they know their fate. They're going to be gone in January. Not that they're going to have to leave the building. Some of them are leaving. Some of them are not. But this Congress, everything's going to start fresh in January. That's what they call it the lame dunk. But sometimes you do things that kind of both parties kind of agree on during this window. And 12 Republican senators voted for the Respect for Marriage Act, which didn't say a states had to do anything in particular about, about um same-sex marriage. They just had to respect it in their state if, uh, you know, respect, you know, someone says I am – Married in New Hampshire, and I'm now living in Massachusetts. They just had to respect that, that contract. And 12 Senate, 12 Republicans voted for that. I mean, still a majority of Republicans in, but still people like, you know, like Tillis of North Carolina, you know, um, I mean, um, Romney, you might expect Murkowski, you might expect, you know, Blunt of, of, of Missouri, um, Loomis of Wyoming, very conservative, Sullivan of Arkansas, very conservative, Young of Indiana, very conservative, Ernst of Iowa, very conservative, because I think that they're getting back to the root of the Republican ethos, which is live and let live. It gov- you know, government doesn't decide who's married. You go, you know, live and let live. And I think that that is a smart place to be. So we're going to take some calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. My summary again Democrats are celebrating too much and Republicans might be blaming the wrong guy or if they're going to do it. Let's go ahead and do it. Right. I did say I would do some Twitter at the bottom of the hour. So hold those calls until we get there. Uh, Let's go to some some calls again. Eight hundred eight four eight W.A.B.C. Let's go to Dave in Ron Hey,
3: Anthony, how are you?
1: I'm well, Dave. Thank you.
3: Good. Just to, you know, to touch on something, one. The election deniers, because I know that I've heard you talk to this with multiple hosts on, on the station about election denial, election denial. Do, you do understand, not only is it on both sides with the, 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 the woman who was running in, for governor in Georgia, but Hillary Clinton, let's just say that as well. But why don't you surmise it as, um, how about nef- nefarious play, um, inquirers for, for you to think that the Democratic party who went on for years, and was proven wrong with the Russia case and all that, 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 and the gold standard, Mueller and all that was proven that that was false. You don't think there could be foul play in the elections? Do you really want people to not think that that's possible? No, no, when of course. No, no, otherwise. No,
1: no, I'm, I'm glad to have a chance to clarify this. So, good call, Dave. Thank you. So, here's the thing it is quite different to say that the proof that Mueller had in the Mueller report that there was Russian interference, that was confirmed by the Trump administration, that led to indictments and convictions, led to guilty pleas, it is quite, and by the way, and and Hillary Clinton saying that's, that, that's outrageous and it means that Trump is illegitimate or whatnot, is quite different from storming the Capitol and saying I want to kill the vice president and fomenting that. Going into court and alleging fraud is totally, absolutely cool. We're going to talk about it later with Curtis and local elections. But when the courts say no, to then say, well, we want to throw out the results, is very different than Stacey Abrams saying, I think this was a cooked election because you moved polling places at the last minute. I mean, it's just a different, it's like this, everything has to be equal. No, it's not. It's a false equivalency. One is, yeah, being beefy. I said, I say the frickin' electoral college is basically cooking the books for Republicans all along. But that is quite different than me going to the Capitol and saying, hang Mike Pence. And me standing up in Arizona today and saying, I think that I'm alleging fraud. And then when a court hears all the evidence and you have to stand up in front of the court, say, oh, we don't have any evidence. That's a very different kind of thing. We have a process to complain about things. It's called the courts. And then the courts rule and you go on. It's quite different than storming the Capitol and fomenting and encouraging people to do it and saying take down the metal detectors because my people don't, you know, take down the metal detectors when you're expecting violence. People showed up with guns. I mean, it's like, look. I just think it's a difference of degrees. And by the way, the people have spoken about that. In places like Arizona, the reason that Democrats won is Republicans voted for the Democrat because they were uncomfortable with that line of attack. But absolutely, I I agree that saying I think the election was screwed up, and by the way, to say that Mueller disproved it, quite the opposite. He wound up indicting people for it. It's great to have you along. 800-848-WABC, 800 if you are all Twittered out and all Hunter Biden's out, maybe turn off the volume and turn on the soccer game. But if you're not, I'm here for you. And so is Diego. And so is Kevin. So is Christian if he showed up. See you on the other side.
2: one of
3: these days I'm gonna settle down and I'll take you back with me to the guitar.
0: Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. This is the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
1: Welcome back to the middle. That is John Hyatt bringing us back in. We're doing thematic music today. And the theme is guitars. That's right. Steve Earle was with the Cartown. John Hyatt, perfectly good guitar. Maybe I'm trying too hard. I'm trying to bring a little something extra here. Getting some help from Diego on the other side of glass. And I apologize, Christian is in the building. But because he came in late, he's being hazed by Kevin... They're making him go and put up decorations for our concert that we're having on Sunday. All right, so we're talking a little bit about um, what we're we talking about the lessons to be learned. I said I was going to do a little little Twitter, but let's, let's do a few more calls about the election and the, and the lessons that we've learned. Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Go ahead, Tony. Welcome back.
2: Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Always a pleasure. My so, pleasure. looking at the Republican Party, all I've been doing, uh, I am a Republican but I believe the beauty of this country is the two-party system plus whatever, you know, independents there are. So I love this country dearly, and I served in the military. So I want to see it work. And I see the Republican Party has lacked the leadership that we needed. I'm in New Jersey, so we had Jack Tudorelli lose. And, you know, not analyzing him, I didn't understand why. And then I looked at the party, and I thought about it since last year. And there is a lack of leadership. And a lack of where we're going, and this is how it works, and this is what we need to do. Because everybody needs a leader to sort of get them on track. So I totally agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, I think the party. I mean, I I agree. Now, Jackson really might not be the best example because he came very close to winning that election last year. Um, Now, maybe. You know, you know, I, I sometimes look at that race in New Jersey, and I wonder. You know, it should have really kind of snuck up on everybody, like an election night. We didn't. I mean, maybe if Lee did yeah, we we didn't yeah. know. But I, I mean, here here's the here is the question. And thank you so much for calling, Tony. You always you always bring a great deal to the conversation. You know, one of the things that Republicans have to figure out, and maybe this is a way to lead into the Twitter conversation, is is how much do you spend your time looking? Back and how much do you spend your time articulating what your plan is going forward? Newt Gingrich right. recently wrote an op-ed, I think, for, on his newsletter of the Wall Street Journal, basically that that you know the, the mistake Republicans are making is not offering their own affirmative alternative. Now, remember, Newt Gingrich is the guy that had the contract with America. He very much believed in the idea of having something very firm that you can – I mean, even though know, it was a lot of rhetoric, having something that voters can hang their hat on if they're trying to visualize Republican leadership – and Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans this time really didn't do that. They just said that Biden stunk and you know, you know, replace him and the economies and the dumps and the immigration and everything else didn't have a great affirmative plan. And now right out of the box they are doing Twitter and Hunter Biden and everything else. I'm not sure that middle of the road voters who we talk to a lot on this program, who are winning elections for, for for the sides, you know, it's not coming from hard left and hard right voters. They're they're going where they're gonna go. I think they want to see something more affirmative. they want to see results they want to see stuff happen and as I've said repeatedly, if you look at the point where things change for the Democrats in the summer, it's when Biden started to get stuff done he did stuff on burn pits that did stuff on the inflation on the inflation reduction act, or whatever he called it did stuff on um on um, the chip shortage, did you know got some stuff done, I think a lot of people were focusing on the idea, well, is it good or is it bad? I think a lot of Americans well are right, at least they're trying they're getting something done, and I think the same is can be said now that I think that's what the American people want. And I want to tell you as someone who knows him, not Kevin McCarthy's strength he's it's just not I mean he's a nice guy, but in terms of like vision is not really um not really his thing. well, okay, let's do a little bit of Twitter, and I'm gonna let. Actually, why do we do this? Sal in Long Island, go ahead. Why don't you set the table? What did you hear this week about Twitter? What do you think? And then I'll try to respond.
3: Hey, Anthony. how are Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just want to, I just want to, your take, now that we know what happened in, 20, in 2020 with the Twitter, uh, do you have any trouble? What, 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 what you take on that? And another thing is, I'm going to make a quick, another one. Uh, As long as we have mail-in ballots and uh, ballot harvesting and uh, countless counting after the election, uh, Republicans will never, ever be able to win another key election again. And I'm saying
1: about key elections. Well, I don't. I appreciate, Sal. And whenever you call, I, I never regret taking your calls because you always are interesting. But. I just want to, and I talked a little bit about, that. I'm going to talk about both things. First, let me talk about the ballot harvesting. What is ballot harvesting? Ballot harvesting is the Republican party of, of a county in Mississippi putting up a table at, at, at a, um, at a carnival and saying, sign up here for your absentee ballot and let us know if you need any help filling it out or turning it in. I mean, ballot harvesting is – if that's ballot – that's what ballot harvesting is. And that's what Ronald McDaniel was talking about in that cut. That's what – people do that. You don't get extras. You don't have any special ballot. It's just if you you can't make it to the poll or you want to vote early or you want to vote by mail to make it as easy as possible to do it, why would Republicans not be – not want to do that? It's, it's, you have a lot, you, the, the senior citizens in this country favor Republicans. A lot of them don't want to, military people are favor Republicans. They vote by absentee. And this idea of counting ballots after election day, look, here's the way it works. Anything that gets mailed in, legislatures have to decide when it has to be stamped, date stamped, to be eligible to be counted. Some legislatures say the day of election, some say after 3 days, some say whatever. The states get to decide that. That's the 10th Amendment to the Constitution. It's a, it's a, something reserved to the states. Republican states do it, Democrat states do it. They have rules. And you follow those rules. This whole idea, it you know where this came from? This came from in order for the re, for supporters of the former president, to claim he won when he didn't, they had to raise questions about the election. Some votes come in early, some votes come in late. So they said, all right, let's, disqu- let's, let's raise questions about anything that comes in late. All you're doing is raising questions about American citizens voting by the, by the choice that they made by the state legislature that they have. Raising questions about that is does not serve your party or serve democracy. It's kind of like saying, okay, if you have a polling place on an odd number street, don't go. Why? <laughs> Why? All right. But let's do the Twitter thing real quick. I, and I mean quick because, I, I mean, we're coming up on a break. I, there, there was some news that came out this week. So Donald uh, Donald Trump, uh, uh, Elon Musk supports Republicans, conservative guy, came out, bought Twitter. Fine. He said in his tweets, support Republicans. Fine. He's got his agenda. That's fine. That's fine. I, I don't, No problem with Republicans. Uh, uh, um, um, having access to that no no more than having access to Fox, no more than having access to the microphones here at 77 WBC. Um, And so he says, I want to have more transparency. Love it. He says, I'm going to give access to all these records to two reporters. Don't love it so much. If you're going to do transparency, just release the data. And then he releases some and not others. So transparency kind of... Even the former head of Twitter said, release everything. Let us see everything. So what did we find out? Well, to summarize, well, one thing we found out was summarized best by my friend Miranda Devine, who wrote the book on on Twitter, and here's what she had to say. Quite a bit that's useful. It's not really the smoking gun we'd hope for. I feel that Elon Musk has held back some material. In particular, there's a tweet in which um, Matt Taibbi says, well, he hasn't seen any evidence that law enforcement specifically warned off Twitter from our story. So, perfect summary. I mean, I think it's interesting she says, it's not what we'd hope for. That's not the way reporters are supposed to talk. That's not to say we hoped to find out something. But there's no there on the big question of, did the government, the Trump FBI? I want to just repeat that it was Donald Trump who was in charge at the time. Did the Trump FBI do anything to try to censor this in any way? And the answer it came out to be there there's no evidence of that now, what did we find out? We find out that all the time inside of Twitter, there were people trying to get them to do actions, to not to put take something down, to put something up. There were Republicans doing it, Democrats. More Democrats, they found, were doing it than Republicans. But, again, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a private company. I'm sure people were calling them up all the time saying, that's not fair, don't do that or do this other type of thing. And then they found something else that, again, wasn't newsworthy, because they had already described it right on their website. And that is that sometimes if they take something that they don't like, or they don't approve of, or if you're a racist, if you're uh, using someone's information, if you're saying something that's, that's dangerous, whatever it is, they have, they have things to not, they, 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 to, to, to turn the volume up or down on those things. The same way advertisers can pay them to turn the volume up on all of their tweets. And so it gets out even more. So long story short, it's, a, it's. we still have not seen anything that is that amazing. Now, we did see, and I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Twitter was utter chaos at the time trying to figure out what to do with all of this stuff. But to return, the big thing, was there some type of government censorship? No. It was a lot of, it was a private company trying to figure out what to do and making mistakes. And I've said before, blocking the post story from being circulated was a big mistake. And it wasn't permanent. It came back eventually. Did the other publications that were out there cover the the Biden story? Yep. Every single major publication did. But they didn't cover it as much as the Post because they didn't have the hard drive. The Post wouldn't share it, and and Rudy Giuliani wouldn't give it to them. Does it look really bad for Hunter Biden? Oh, yeah. It does. It does. No two ways about it. Now, would any of our hard drives I – mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not the person who has this – but would any of our hard drives, they became public – would they hurt? be embarrassing? But it is bad for Hunter. But there is still, in all of this transparency, in all of this data dump, in all of this talk, in all of this back and forth, as Miranda Devine said, no smoking gun, that there was some type of government a government conspiracy, and still no evidence that connects Joe Biden to any of this stuff, except that he was sending his son notes, you know, hoping that he's he's doing well. So that is the Twitter summary of the week. And I look. I want to tell you something about this issue that I find that I find correct. The right is foaming at the mouth about it too much, but the left is ignoring it too much. You know, I, I if I had a dollar for every time one of my friends on the left says, "Why do you keep talking about about Hunter Biden? You know it's BS." And I say, "Have you read the stuff?" And they always say, "No, but I know it's BS." Well, the left is ignoring it too much. And somewhere in the middle is right. Giving it a hard look, listening to both sides, being able to say we can believe both things at once. Twitter was dumb, wrong as a private company to take the action to try to uh, to, uh, to stop the, po- the post from circulating their story, and the post got a lot of it way overblown and connecting Joe uh, um Joe Biden to it is a step too far. And the third big piece Hunter Biden might get indicted. I would not be at all surprised. When we come back, we'll have some uh, some final calls, 800-848-WABC, 800 848 And getting ready to go, Curtis Lee, we're left versus right at 3 o'clock. And as I mentioned, 4 o'clock, Rob Astorino. So your afternoon is locked, and we'll see you on the other side.
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
1: Radio 77 WABC.
0: This is the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
3: While I quit my job down at the car wash, I left my mama a goodbye note. My son and I left Kingsport with my guitar under my coat.
0: I hitchhiked all the way down to Memphis, got a room at the YMCA. The so welcome week, back to the middle. middle. That is
1: obviously the King. Bring us back in with Guitar Man. As we do our guitar theme music, we're talking a little bit about Twitter, a little bit about the election, and some of the lessons the Democrats and Republicans can take away. At 4 o'clock, Curtis Lee – forgive me, at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee will come in for left versus right. And then Rob Astorino comes in with his new show at 4 o'clock. I really encourage you to listen to it. He does a great job. You can listen to us on the app, wbcradio.com. And I want to reiterate, The Middle Unplugged, Episode 7 is out now, where I give the the breakdown of the wackiest U.S. senator – since Herschel Walker won't be joining that august club. Um, and I had – tough to narrow it down. It tough to narrow it down. 800 wabc Let's go back to the calls. Um, James in Brooklyn. Go ahead, James.
3: Hey, what's up, Anthony? I, I, I wanted a question. I wanted to ask you a question. A couple minutes ago you were talking about January 6th. People brought guns there. Do you really feel it was an insurrection?
1: Well, now people have been found guilty of, of – of fomenting insurrection? Yes, I mean, what, what? It depends. Look, I mean, I, to me, if you're trying to to attack your government and stop them from doing the job of the people, that's the definition of insurrection. What about you?
3: Um. Well, it's my definition. If they had weapons and they had a coordinated plan, it just seemed like a bunch of dumb idiots going there to to let their feelings be heard. I don't really feel it was an insurrection, but everybody, all the Democrats are over, you know. uh Overstressing certain things to make it appear a certain way. Well, I mean,
1: I I hear you, I hear you, but it's January sixth. They were there because Congress was meeting to certify the new president, and they were all there in unison to stop it from happening. I mean, they weren't just there holding up signs; they were storming in. And as far as the gun part, I mean, the people have now been guilty of sedition, and the evidence in the case was there were hotel rooms filled with weapons waiting for the go signal to come in with the weapons and they were you know as soon as as soon as whatever theory they had about what was going to happen next uh, took place so I, I yeah I, I think it's it's a jury of a jury of Americans has now kind of called it that. Um, next up is Joe in New Jersey go ahead Joe.
3: Yes uh, Anthony I, I just
1: wanted to speak to you about the Democrats and their view with regard to women's reproductive rights, and uh, defending women in general. And it just seems like it's very hypocritical when a lot of the people coming over the border, a lot of ladies, young ladies, are getting raped and getting mistreated, getting molested, you know. And, you know, Democrats are not doing anything about this. They, They claim to be for women's rights and standing up for young women. But then they let all this horrible stuff happen, you know, similar to the way that you you molested young women yourself. And, you know, you guys are just so disgusting to me. You're a bunch of demo rats. I call you demo rats. Uh, Murphy, um, I, I I hold him pretty much responsible for killing my grandmother in a nursing home. All right. Well, let me I, 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 before we get into Joe's grandmother in a nursing home and his insult to me, which is fine, by the way. If you're Anthony Weiner and you're on the radio, you gotta be prepared to take some incoming. I, I, look, I, I think that the border is a perfect place as an issue, a perfect place for Democrats, Republicans to work out something here in the, in the lame duck. I think if they did a deal, and this is the one that they've been talking about, you help out maybe the dreamers who are the people that, they, these young people that, that are here and don't have a country to go back to. You increase funding for border security, something that I think that Joe would support and you also increase the funding for asylum hearings so people come here seeking asylum get their hearings quickly that is the kind of deal that i that i, I think that democrats and republicans would um would would both be able to uh, to work on um next let's go to uh, to uh, jim in long island jim you want to talk about hunter biden hello anthony
3: thank you for taking my call my pleasure yes Respectfully, regarding the Hunter Biden issue, it's not just about Hunter Biden. It's about the whole Biden family. You had indicated or uh, suggested that there was no evidence to support the Biden family had done anything illegal or unethical. And that's completely inconsistent with the information on his laptop and the people he worked with, namely Tony Bobulinski. He has provided not only evidence, firsthand evidence, but voluminous documents to support everything he said, which included his personal meetings with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, I think, as part of uh, business dealings with Parisma and others. So what I would respectfully suggest to you is why don't you have Tony Bobulinski on your show and interview him? Because apparently nobody wants to.
1: That is a great idea. All right, Jim, you've given me a great idea. First of all, here's what we know about Tony Bobulinski. We know that Tony Bobolinsky says that he has evidence on his cell phone in the form of, of, um, of texts that support the idea that in one email, when there's a reference, not even from Hunter Biden, not even to Hunter Biden, it, he would, Hunter Biden was CC'd on the email that, ref, that refers to other people that refers to 10% for the big guy of some deal that did not happen with a company that was never formed. So Tony Bobolinsky, and by the way, for all of you who are listening, what we are talking about now is the single – that's not true. There's some pictures of Joe Biden taking grip and, uh, 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 grip and grins with uh, with people. That They say, oh, here's evidence that he's involved in something. He's, when you're a senator and vice president, you take a billion pictures. But anyway, what we're talking about and what Jim was referring to is the only piece of evidence that exists that Joe Biden got any of this action from any of these deals. And just so I've described it to you, it is an email that was found on the hard drive. Not to Hunter Biden, CCing Hunter Biden from two other people talking about a company that never got off the ground, Sino Holdings or something like that. Anthony. And holding, hey, doing- just, let me finish. Let me, let me finish. And, 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 then, uh, and then I'll come back to you if, if, you, if you want to. to Tony Boboliski Tony says he's got this. And so who did he take it to? Well, he took it to a few different places. He took it to the FBI and was interviewed by the FBI. The FBI has it. And who knows? Maybe the FBI will, will believe him. He took it to the Wall Street Journal and Fox News, two conservative outlets. Both of them ran stories saying, we didn't see anything that he brought us that led us to believe in any way that Joe Biden was connected. So those are, do we still have Jim or do we let him go? Jim, Jim, oh, yeah. go ahead. So, so that's, that's what Bob But does. Having him on, I'd love to if we can ever find him. But go ahead. Why don't will you, uh, I'll give you the last word.
3: With all due respect, Anthony, that's like saying, listen, you have – there's nothing here. All we have is a gun with matching ballistics and a a body with the bullet in it. But there's nothing to see here. Well, there's no (laughs) – You have overwhelming – tell me how the Biden family, Joe Biden, buys the DuPont estate on a a senator's salary. Tell me about all the money his family is making and the tens of millions of dollars with really no business experience or academic acumen to justify
1: it. You see, this is where it always goes sideways. People say, oh – He's got this or, oh, and I appreciate you calling him. Oh, he's got this. Therefore, there's something nefarious going on. They take a thing that is a fact and somehow make us make this leap. And all I'm saying is maybe that there's something wrong. But if you're using the Hunter Biden laptop to make your case, it ain't there. And to say, well, you got evidence, but there's no evidence. No, well, there's we got evidence you don't. You've got evidence you don't. And I'm saying that on that laptop, and I read all of the stuff that's in the public domain, I've got everything except the frickin' laptop myself. Having read it all, I read Miranda Devine's book, I read every story about it, everything that comes out, I read all of the Twitter stuff. All I'm saying is Bobolinsky is not the, the the he's he's not the proof that you think. He's just not. I bet you it might be the first time Jim even heard that the email wasn't even to Hunter Biden, the big guy. I mean, you think somewhere, by the way, thousands and thousands of documents on the Hunter Biden with financial dealings and everything else. And the best they can come up with is one reference to the big guy. They never call me. I'm a slightly undernourished Jewish guy from Brooklyn, but I'm really glad to be here on the middle with you. We'll be back next week. During the week, in the middle, unplugged. Coming up next, Curtis Sliwa, left versus right. And then at 4 o'clock, Rob Estrino comes in. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have all of you join me each week. And thank you to Diego, Kevin, and Christian for helping us out. And at 3 o'clock, we'll be back with Curtis Sliwa.
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.